Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there So let's talk about it When life ends on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis And this is Book Talk with Fran Lewis Brought to you by MJ Network MJ and Mary and my sister Marsha Joyce And I am so excited New York Times author David Bell is here with Try Not to Breathe a traumatic experience in the line of duty forces 30-year-old Avery Rogers to abandon both her relationship and her position as a Kentucky State Police officer. She retreats to a college town where she works on an unfulfilling job as a security guard, breaking up fights between drunk and frat boys. And I'm not going to go on and tell you any more because David Bell is here and he'll tell you the rest. And gosh, if you haven't read this, what are you waiting for? Seriously. So good Well, morning. thanks well, for having me on. I appreciate that. I am so excited. You have no idea. The first scene with Anna, how does that set the stage for the events to come? And tell us why she would not call the police. Tell us about Kayla and why she wouldn't call the police. Well, the very beginning of the book, Anna, who is yeah. a college student, um, yeah. comes home late at night from mm-hmm. uh, being out drinking, uh, which is, you know, what college students do sometimes. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> She, there's there's a strange man outside of her apartment building who seems to know who she mm-hmm. is, and um, this mm-hmm. naturally freaks her out and scares her. Um, but she is reluctant to call the police because her father is a former police officer, mm-hmm. and she's a little bit estranged from her dad. And if she gets the police involved, she thinks her dad's going to get involved, so she opts not to call the police. Um, and, you know, that's going to have consequences as the book goes along uh, because this guy who was outside of her house um, knows more about her than she realizes. That that is, that is scary. So who is Tanya? And this, this really got me, the Midnight Rambler. How did you create that? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, every once in a while there are um, – Strange characters who who mm-hmm. lurk around neighborhoods and towns and things like that. Um, and in, in this case, this guy is a peeping Tom who's been going around the town. Um, it's a college town. So um, he's been going around town and um, spying on young women um, and going into their homes and watching them sleep. Um, and so um, Anna, Anna thinks that perhaps this guy who was outside of her house is this Peeping Tom, who has been uh, seen around town. Um, the only catch is this guy doesn't know Anna's name. So that's kind of the strange thing, is this person seems to know Anna. Um, and so maybe it's not the Peeping Tom that everybody thinks it is. I won't give that away. But, my, you know, <laughs> they have, Alicia texts her. That's the sisters. There are three sisters, Alicia, Avery, and Anna. 
I love Avery. She's got guts. I really like her. And why does Aunt Alicia text her to call her father? Well, Anna has kind of cut off contact with her family. She's yeah. not speaking to her parents. Um, like I said, her father is a retired police officer. And so um, Anna has learned some things about um, the way her dad has conducted himself in the line of duty. And so she's um, not speaking to her parents right now. And naturally, her parents are worried about her. Um, and so they – and I, this happens in families, or at least it would happen in my family, that uh-huh. if the parents couldn't get in touch with one of their children, they might dispatch one of the other children uh, to try to find out what's going on. I know that happens in my family, that my mom will direct one of my siblings to talk to one of the other siblings uh, if she doesn't want to bother talking to them. So that's kind of what happens here is that the parents send – Alicia, who's the middle sister, to try to get a hold of Anna and find out what's going on with her. I know. My mother said, if you don't come to a pay phone and call me, if you're going to be one minute late, you're grounded for life. For real. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So I serious. can believe that. I'm serious. And I wasn't allowed to have a cell phone growing up, so I had to pay, find a pay phone. That wasn't easy. So what is Well, plus Anna, you had to have a quarter what, in your pocket. I had a prayer had a quarter in my pocket or 50 cents or something in my pocket. But right, I learned okay, something good. that people need to know how to do, reverse the charges. It works. Trust me. Right. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. You can always do that. <laughs> That's if they accept the prayer charges. <laughs> right, yeah. So why does she decide to leave? And what is this protest? And if she stayed, would something have changed? I, I felt so bad. I was crying when that happened. Well, what happens is that uh, Anna learns, Anna has friends who live in Louisville in Kentucky, and um, they tell her that there's going to be a protest march against police brutality. And so not only does this give Anna a reason to go see her friends, but she kind of sees this as like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to uh, stick it to my dad a little bit by attending this protest against the police. Um, so that's why Anna runs mm. off and goes to this protest in Louisville. Um, it's a chance to be with her friends. It's also a chance to be politically involved. And um, the protest does not go well. All sorts of trouble happens at this protest, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. That was that was sad, really sad. So if she had stayed, would Keller be alive? Or maybe not. Yeah, pa- Possibly, I don't know. It's it's hard to yeah. say what would have happened if she had stayed at home. Um, it's possible she mm. would have been um, in greater danger too. So, um, but she, Anna certainly feels responsible for leaving her roommate behind when she when she goes yeah. off to this protest. Yeah, I know how that feels. So there are three sisters. I'm trying to make sure I get this right. Anna's mother is not the same as Alicia and Avery, right? And the father, right? oh, God, help us, a father like that. So Anna, Alicia, and Avery, how would you describe their relationship? And they don't like each other. They don't. They just distrust each other greatly. Well, Avery and Anna do not get along very well. Um, yeah. Avery's the oldest, and Anna is the youngest, um, and they have different mothers. Um, and so Avery, um, it's not fair to Anna, but Avery kind of, holds her resentment um, 
directs her resentment that she feels for her father um, and the way her, her father's marriage to her mother broke up, she blames Anna for that. Um, mm. She directs her animosity toward Anna, even though obviously it's not Anna's fault. Um, but when there's a second marriage like that, that can be difficult for the siblings to get along. Um, so Avery blames mm. Anna for that. Um, Anna feels like she has tried to reach out to Avery. She's tried to have a relationship with Avery. She's been rebuffed by Avery a lot. So she's kind of given up on trying to have a relationship with Avery, even though she wants to. So those two sisters, the youngest and the oldest, really do not get along and don't see eye to eye. The middle sister, Alicia, is more of the peacemaker in the family. She Mm. wants everybody to get along. She wants to try to bring her siblings together. She wants to try to bring the whole family together. Mm. Um, But if you've ever been in a family, you know, sometimes that's difficult to do. Um, So they all have the roles that they play in the family. Um, And it's complicated. Family dynamics can get complicated sometimes. Tell me about it. Mm. I do know that. (laughs) You know, sometimes you don't mean to say something. You say the wrong thing, and then nobody talks to you anymore. It's sad. And it's, it's it's really sad because sisters don't always get along, and then when it's too late, oh, well. So tell us about Russ and Jane. Hmm. Well, Russ, and, um, Russ is the father of these three daughters. Um, he is a retired police officer. He was highly hmm. decorated. He was injured in the line of duty and was forced to retire. He's partially disabled, so he's... Uh, was not able to continue his career as a police officer, um, and he has he's in a lot of pain, physical pain, from the injuries that he suffered as a police officer. And um, mm. he has issues that he doesn't really deal with. Um, he's drinking a lot. Um, he's taking a lot of pain medication. Um, he's a little embittered about the way his life has ended up. And Jane mm. is his second wife. Jane is the mother of Anna. Um, mm. And so he's he's a kind of a paranoid, uh, angry guy um, and kind of a domineering mm. guy. And when Anna cuts off contact with the family, he tries to convince Avery, his oldest daughter, to go find Anna and find out what's going on. Um, Avery and her father do not get along very well either, mainly because Mm -hmm. Avery feels like um, he judges her for the way her law enforcement career ended. Um, She suffered a trauma in the line of duty. She stopped her police career, and she feels like I can never measure up to Dad's expectations. He's never going to see me clearly. Um, She simultaneously doesn't want to have anything to do with him and also desperately wants his approval. Um, So there is a lot of complicated complicated dynamics in this family. Yeah, it was was interesting to read how how you created that. So Avery is how it tries to stop a frat fight, and the police come, and why did they not back her up? Why did they treat her like she doesn't know what she's doing? And in a sense, she knew exactly what to do. Well, I think it's just uh, Avery is working now that she's left the police force. She's gone to graduate yeah. school, and she works part-time as a security guard on a college campus, which would have to be one of the worst jobs, I think, that anybody could have with oh, being yeah. a uh, low-paid low security guard on a college campus. And um, she frequently finds herself 
dealing with just drunken, entitled students. Um, and that's the first scene with Avery. We see her doing that, and the, the police officers from town look down their noses at her just a little bit because they dismiss her as merely a security guard or a rent-a-cop, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and so they don't treat her with the same respect that they would offer to a fellow officer, um, even though Avery has been a police officer and, like you said, does know how to handle herself in these situations. Although Avery, um, she lets her emotions get the best of her a little bit in this confrontation with these drunk frat boys. Well, I'm just wondering if what would have happened if this was if she wasn't a, a female was a male would they have done the same thing? Well, you have to think of that, right? There might be a little yeah. sexism involved in this as well. That that's uh -huh. also part of the reason why they look down their nose at her because she's a female officer, and the two the two town cops we're talking about are men, and they kind of look down their noses at her. So yeah, I think that's definitely part of yeah. the equation. So why is Avery questioned, and how do we realize that there's more to her father when she was growing up without giving it away? Well, the, her father has been uh, wounded in like the him. line of duty, and mm -hmm. um, that shooting has never been solved. Um, yeah. And so there's speculation that maybe this was someone taking revenge on their dad for something. Um, if, you, if you've ever known police officers, you know that they do yeah. worry that someone may come back years later and try to take revenge on them if they arrested someone or whatever. Um, so, so that yeah. is kind of in the background of the story, that this shooting that ended up disabling their father has never really been solved. And so Avery has... In the course of the book, Avery comes to find out a little more and a little more about what um, her dad may have been doing during his time as a police officer. So who was Margaret and what caused the family breakup? And is she, she's still around, isn't she? Margaret is um, Avery and Alicia's mother. Um, right. And she's not. She, she had died. Um, and it was just that um, Russ... Um, the, the father of these daughters had um, had met someone else, had met someone new, and their, that first marriage had broken up. And um, Margaret never really recovered from that, and she ended up dying mm. young. And that's part of the reason why Avery has that resentment for her father and her stepmother and for her half-sister Anna because – she mm. saw up close the toll that the end of this marriage took on her mother uh, and saw her mother die at an early age. Um, so that's a big part of the reason why Avery doesn't care for her half-sister or her stepmother in particular. I don't blame them. I don't like them anyway either. So, well, Anna goes to meet the Douglas family. Why? What's that now? What is, why does Anna go to meet the Douglas family? Why does she go there, and why does she search oh, for I them? See. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, in the course of the book, Anna yeah. has you know, essentially run away from her life, and um, she learns some things about her family and her identity. Mm -hmm. And so um, it leads her to a remote area in Kentucky um, where she thinks she's going to meet some people who can tell her more about her past yeah. and who she is. 
Um, this turns out to be the Douglas family, and they um, are farmers, but they farm a particular crop, which is actually popular mm-hmm. in Kentucky, marijuana. And um, so, so they have kind of a secret operation going on out here. They're not that keen on having complete strangers showing up on mm-hmm. their door trying to talk to them. Naturally, they're a little paranoid about that. But uh, they do let Anna in, and Anna comes to learn a lot about herself and her family um, and um, and this family, this new family who she meets uh, once she's out there. And Avery is looking for her the whole time. So yeah. lo and behold, Avery ends up out there as well. There are a lot of secrets hidden out on this remote marijuana farm once the two sisters finally get there. Well, I can't forget to talk about, to backtrack a bit, Anna, Rachel, and Eric attend a protest. And Avery, and who is Charlie Ballard? Oh, I like that man. And Charlie why did she is, go after her? The father said she had to do that, right? Well, Charlie is her father's former partner in law enforcement. And mm-hmm. so when Avery is going off to find Anna um, and uh, – the dad says, go find Charlie, and he can help you. Um, the dad, would, Russ says he would do it himself, but he has this disability, and he can't get around as well. So he passes mm-hmm. it off to his former partner, Charlie, who is like a little bit of a surrogate father, surrogate uncle to mm-hmm. Avery and her sisters. Um, and so the two of them go to this protest together to try to find uh, Anna, um, and this whole protest erupts into violence once they're there. Um, yeah. There's protesters and there are counter-protesters. Um, and so that's, that's, everything kind of goes wrong at this protest right in the middle of the book. Well, why do people do these things? I mean, I'm watching the news and they're protesting about everything. The climate, the weather, the, the storms. I mean, you could just protest about everything. Those people come up with anything. And mo- most of these protests don't turn out too well, do they? That's what's really scary. That's what made this so real. Well, I mean, there's always the danger that when you have large yeah. groups of people together like that, that um, yeah. it doesn't take many people or it may only take one person. I think yeah. most people, when they go to something like that, whether it's a political rally or a protest or whatever, I don't think most people are going there looking for trouble, but... Yeah. It doesn't take many people, or maybe it only takes one person to turn a whole crowd in the wrong direction um, or to cause a whole crowd, uh, cause a disruption to a whole crowd. And that's what happens at this protest in the book. Most people are there for peaceful reasons and yeah. um, for good reasons and benevolent reasons. Um, but, you know, a small handful of people can can turn everything the wrong way. I know. You could you could have just one person sort of like a telephone into somebody's ear to somebody else to somebody else and then it snowballs. So I've seen that happen. That's even scarier. Yeah, yeah. Sure, you're right. It's it's amazing. So why is Avery arrested? And what is her relationship with Charlie? I felt so bad. Well, Charlie is um is softer than her dad you know charlie yeah i think everybody when they when they grow up you know we have our parents and even if our parents are great people we still need people besides our parents to look up to whether those are teachers yep. coaches whatever aunts uncles 
we always need other people, other adults to look up to and get a different perspective on the world from. And that's the role Charlie plays for uh, Avery, is that she is um, not her parent, but she knows her, he knows her parents well, and he's a, just a different influence in her life. Um, so what happens at the protest is that when all hell breaks loose, um, the police just start randomly arresting anybody they see, and they end up arresting Avery. Um, Avery steps in yeah. and tries to protect Anna. Um, Anna gets away, but Avery ends up getting arrested, and she gets thrown in the back of a police wagon and taken into the city jail and put in the holding cell. Um, she's fortunate that when she's in the holding cell, she's actually able to continue her investigation and learn some important information when she's inside that cell that helps her go out and find Anna later on. But, um, but she does get temporarily thrown in jail for a few hours. Well, the person that saved me was my grandmother for my mother's toughness. And I would tell her, my mother, I'm going to tell on you with my grandmother. That that, that did it. Because, you, you, you like you said, you need somebody to protect you sometimes. So what happens? Well, we need, that, we need outside influences besides yeah. our parents, and so that always helps. Yeah, grandma is, nobody messes with grandma. So what right. happens that cuts into her heart and why? We're talking about Avery? Yeah. You mean at the end of the book or what? In the middle when Charlie, what, ha- what happens to Charlie during the protest? Oh, well, um, Charlie has had some health problems, and so when Anna get, or yeah. when Avery gets out of uh, jail, um, she tries to find Charlie and finds out, lo and behold, he's in the hospital. Um, because yeah. he had, um, in the course of this protest and all the chaos going on, he had felt ill. Um, and so they had brought him to the hospital for observation. Um, so he's having a whole battery of tests done, and um, they're talking about uh, Anna and, and where, where Anna may be going, and Charlie provides mm. Avery with some information about uh, her dad and the past that helps Avery go on uh, and, and ultimately find Anna out at this marijuana farm. That's scary. So tell us about Rydell. And what does her father say? She has to go search for Anna, right? She doesn't have a choice in a sense, but she wants to, I guess. Well, it's kind of that uh, double-edged sword of she really does not necessarily want to do this. She really doesn't want to feel like she's doing something for her father. Um, but you never really stop wanting your parents' approval, even if you don't aren't that crazy yeah. about your parents. And I think that's what's going on with Avery. She can't really say no to her dad. Um, and as much as she complains about Anna, she can't really let her sister um, go wandering out into the uh, rural Kentucky countryside without trying to find out if she's safe or not. So Avery feels compelled to go. Um, she ends up in this small town called Rydell, Kentucky, yeah. um, which is a made-up, which is a made-up town, by the way. Um, okay. And it's, just, it's a very, it's a, it's a very small town in the middle of nowhere, um, with almost nothing going on there and almost no one living there. Um, but that is very close to this marijuana farm where uh, Anna has ended up. So um, 
Avery goes into town and eventually ends up out at this marijuana farm where Anna is mm. uh, spending her time. That, that is even more scary. And if you read that, you're going to find out about why that was really not great. So what does Charlie learn from his friend Mike before the protest? And who are Libby and Morris? And he doesn't tell Anna. Avery, Avery this. Well, they find when they get to Louisville, Charlie has contacts in law enforcement, and um, yeah. so they speak to a guy um, who uh, I believe is in the FBI, and yeah. um, they get the they get the warning that there are going to be possibly counter protesters there, um, mm. and so um, they know that in advance that this could be a dangerous situation. This guy, this guy Mike, who's in the FBI. Um, kind of drops some weird hints about Avery's father and his law enforcement mm. career. And Avery doesn't fully understand it. The reader doesn't fully understand what he's saying until the end of the book. But, uh, but this guy starts hints at some darker things that are mm. going on um, that pay off later on in the book. That's why there has to be a sequel. No, really, seriously. Too many, too <laughs> well, many, maybe too many loose ends, know. people. So tell us you about how they got the Rambler. I mean, I, I think everybody in the world at one point has somebody that they think is following them. Well, they think somebody's outside their door, and you have to be careful when you answer the door, especially when you're a kid by yourself. So how did they get the Rambler? Well, the, the Midnight Rambler has been, is this peeping Tom who's been wandering around yeah. this college town. Um, he is suspected of having done some worse things. Um, eventually, he just gets caught mm. because somebody finds him uh, coming into their house, and the police get a hold of him, um, and they question him. Um, it turns out that he is this peeping Tom, but he has not ever committed any violent crime. But he holds a key piece of information, a key piece of evidence that mm. leads to the identity of the man who has been following Anna. So um, even though he is this weird peeping Tom kind of guy, mm. he does play a large role in the story and that he, because he sneaks around outside people's houses, he has observed this man who has been following Anna and provides some key information for him uh, that gives law enforcement the opportunity to try to go also go find Anna and find out what's going on with her. Well, who is, um, where am I here? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my at my questions over here. Um, who is Rachel, and how does she meet Rachel? Well, Rachel is a, one of Anna's friends from when they were growing up. Yeah. Uh, they grew up together. Um, Rachel now lives in Louisville. Um, and um, so that's who Anna is going to see um, in Louisville yeah. at the beginning of the book. Um, and, you know, Rachel is a fairly typical college student. Um, she likes to have a good time. Uh, she yeah. and Anna are counting on just having fun this weekend um, when they attend this protest. Um, the weekend goes darker than they expected. But Rachel is just an old friend who um, Anna's entire family knows because she and uh, Anna were friends when they were in high school together. Well, how does Anna wind up on the compound, and how does Avery wind up there, too? And it's not exactly what everybody thinks it is. Well, Anna learns some things about 
herself and her identity that lead her yeah. to try to go talk to these people out on this marijuana farm. Um, and then Avery follows the the trail, um, thanks to the things that were she learned in Louisville, the things that Charlie knows about um, her mm. father's past. She ends up also going out to this marijuana farm, um, and she and Anna have a hard time seeing each other on this farm. Um, yeah, understandably, the people who work there are pretty paranoid. Um, they're nervous about any strangers showing up. And they don't quite know what to make of Anna and especially Avery because they eventually find out that Avery is a former police officer. And Mm -hmm. so actually they don't want a former police officer showing up at this marijuana farm. So um, Anna and Avery are there in the same place, but it's difficult for them to get to see each other and talk to each other and compare notes. Um, So both of them are trying to piece the story together separately, and then eventually they come together and figure everything out. Well, how come they don't want Avery to leave? They make her stay, and she hasn't had anything that belongs to her, right? They give her some place to stay. But why don't, who is Colin, why don't they, why doesn't he want her to leave? What are they afraid is going to happen? They're they're nervous that this former police officer has shown up and has taken a look at their whole operation. Um, and they're not quite sure what her motivations are. So they're reluctant to let her leave until they know exactly what she intends to do to them. Um, Mm. Is she there in a law enforcement capacity? Is she there just because her sister is there? Um, They're not entirely sure what to make of Avery. Mm. Um, And Avery is sort of a ballsy person um, who doesn't like to be told what to do, um, so there's some conflict there, you know, and they're kind of yeah. nervous about what she's up to. So they are not willing to let her leave right away. I mean, Avery shows up and she has a gun on her. Um, she's yeah. a former police officer. So that naturally makes them wonder what she's up to. Um, so they're very reluctant to let her leave, and they, they basically don't let her leave. It's almost like she's kidnapped in that little place of her home. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And no matter how hard she tries, well, who is Hank and what is this compound really about? Well, Hank is a police officer and he is Avery's uh, ex-boyfriend. They served in the Kentucky State Police together. Um, When Avery suffered this trauma that she suffered in the line of duty, she almost drowned uh, trying to save Mm -hmm. someone uh, in an accident. Um, And that led to Avery leaving the police force. So um, when Avery's life went off the rails, when she was suffering from PTSD, when she was no Mm -hmm. longer able to continue in her career in law enforcement, her relationship with Hank also ended. Um, So she and Hank have not seen each other for a while. uh, But lo and behold, um, when Avery goes to this marijuana farm out in the middle of nowhere, she sees that Hank is there, and he mm. is there. Um, he has infiltrated this place um, and is gathering information about this marijuana operation. So mm. Hank and Avery end up together at this farm, um, and it's complicated because Avery does not want to blow his cover. Um, Avery does not want to feel like she needs Hank to take care of her or protect her. 
Um, so, so all of those feelings are going on as they're all trying to figure out what, what is really going on beyond just cultivating marijuana on this farm. There are other criminal activities going on that have gone on in the present and in the past, and that's part of what's happening out there. This seems to be a really big deal because I've watched the news and stuff and even the Weather Channel, and everybody's talking about marijuana, marijuana farms and people with marijuana and this fentanyl thing. And I'm hoping that I actually get to do a, a panel on drug drug abuse and stuff like that because I think that kids don't understand that, you know, marijuana they think is not addictive, but I don't think that's true either. That's what's really scary. I don't know. Well, the the issue the issue with this um, marijuana farm where uh, yeah. Avery ends up is it's not so much the cultivation of marijuana, it's all the associated crimes that this yeah. family is involved in. Um, there are weapons. There's labor trafficking. Um, yeah. You know, paying off police. Um, so it's it's not just what they're growing. It's all the things that go into and surround. Uh, growing this crop that are causing the problems here. And so um, this family and this marijuana farm is deeply involved in a lot of criminal activities. And they don't want her to, to spill the beans, so they're going to try to keep her there. So right. Avery is very perceptive. That's why I like her. You can't fool her. So how does she realize that the workers are really not what they are and how do how can she possibly get out of there? How did you create these scenes? Because in a sense, even though what happens happens, she still finds herself loyal to to Hank and everybody else. Well, I mean, basically, in any uh, in any book, especially a thriller like the kind I write, mm-hmm. the goal is to get the characters into so much trouble. Uh, yeah, and so deep into trouble that it almost looks like it's impossible for them to ever get out. Um, yeah, and so that is what I tried to do here: is that Avery gets so deep into trouble. She is out in the middle of nowhere. She has no weapons. She has no one. No one knows where she is, um, and she is stuck on this farm, this compound um, that has guards. Um, that has no way out, um, and she, it just it looks like there's absolutely no hope for her. Um, spoiler alert, she will get mm-hmm. out, um, but that was really the fun of writing the story, was to say, yeah. how, how much trouble can I get these people into? How deep and uh, deep into the darkness can I get them um, before they find a way out? And so Avery has to find... Um, a creative way out of this mm-hmm. farm. Um, she has to face her deepest fears um, and get out of this farm. Um, in the process, she is trying to help not just herself, not just her sister, but a number of people who are in trouble here. So the stakes are very high in the story because there are a lot of people whose lives are in danger uh, as a result of what's happening out here. Uh, and so it's a chance for Avery to try to redeem herself. I can't believe how she did it. I could not do that, that I could tell you now. So before I forget, August airs with Dr. George Cavuto and me, my friend Louis, my reader, 
consultant. We're going to have not a, an interview, a discussion about the science of reading and how children are being taught to read today and what reading programs, a lot of the book companies had to rewrite their books in order to follow the program. And it's amazing that if you ask a teacher what they're using, they have no idea that what the science of reading is, so maybe they'll learn it. On the 10th, the author of Hidden Pieces. On the 15th, Echoes from the Bio. And on the 17th, New York Times author Brian Freeman, The Born Defiance. If you haven't read that, oh my God, is that good. And the 21st is a panel with Vincent Zandri, Patrick Moore, David Putnam, and Jim Nesbitt to talk about how do you create a character that's completely Looney Tunes and how do you get away with it. And on the 23rd, Cindy McDonald with one of her um, fantastic Fiona Quinn and novels. You have no idea. I'm like so excited. And I just, John, I was worried about John Land. He just booked a show for February. This is really amazing. So well, you guys sound what, like you got a lot of great stuff going on. I hope so, yeah. I, I was very honored that I got an email from Tess Gerenson. She's coming on September 20th with Spy Coast, her new new character and new book. So I'm excited, oh, wow. yeah. Keeps, my husband says it keeps me out of store shopping. It's much better. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had a fear, like I do, of, of something. And how does Avery overcome this fear? And what does she learn about herself? Well, Avery is afraid of the water. Um, yeah, me the, too. The incident, the incident that happened in the line of duty um, that caused her to leave mm-hmm. being a police officer when she nearly drowned trying to rescue someone. Um, mm-hmm. She has always been afraid of the water going back to her childhood, um, going back to having a fear of learning to swim when she was a child. Um, her father, who's not the nicest guy in the world, um, took the old school approach of trying to help her to swim by just throwing her in the deep end and hoping she would swim. Um, so Avery has always had a fear of water, um, and that has haunted her. And lo and mm-hmm. behold, when she's out on this farm, uh, as it turns mm-hmm. out, the only way off this farm and the only way to try to help the other yeah. people she's trying to help is going to lead her back to water, and she's going to have to face her gravest fear. Um, if I had to face, my, I'm very afraid of heights. I'm not crazy yeah, about man. water, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very afraid of heights. Um, if I had to face great heights to uh, to save my life or to save other people's lives, I don't know if I could do that. I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. But Avery faces that choice. Um, she either has to face this greatest fear she has, Mm. Um, or possibly not be able to save the lives of other people. Um, so you'll just have to read the book to see if she can do it. But um, but that's that's where she is at the end of the book. Well, I, I don't even like walking at the top of a huge staircase with 20 stairs going down. That's too high for me too. And, and forget yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not crazy I'm not crazy about heights at all. But um, no. you know, I guess the question that the book is asking is um, how far would you be willing to go Mm -hmm. and what would you be willing to face to save people you care about? Um, And so that is kind of the question that Avery is confronting and answering uh, by the end of the book. So she sends Anna away. So why does she go back? She could have just left and then not come back. Oh, Anna? Um, 
Why does Anna Avery? She, Avery leaves, and then um, Anna leaves. He gets away. So how come Avery goes back? Oh well, I mean Avery, I just think feels like she can't leave other people behind. There yeah. are a number of other people on this farm. Um, whose lives are in danger if Avery doesn't help them. Um, so it's really just a matter of her trying to do the right thing. Um, she it, Perhaps it's that law enforcement instinct that she needs to yeah. help as much as possible, or maybe it's just simple human decency that she feels like she can't walk away if there's something she can do to help other people. I mean, a lot of us would save ourselves and walk away, but... Uh, Avery does not do that. Avery decides to go back and try to help others. Well, that would be something that I would do, except if you ask me to go in the water. I, I know I can't do that. But I, well, but I, I you guess never know what you would do. You never know what you would do in the most extreme situation. Oh, I've I've done. Yeah, I know that. I do know that I've done quite a bit in extreme situations. But sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you can't save somebody, and that's what's really right. scary. So right, she brings sure. Anna home, and this is which was the, my. This is really amazing. She brings Anna home, and they talk, and she learns something, Avery, and she learns something about Russ and Jane, and that's the hard part. She has to make a moral decision, and to be people, you got to read this because people are going to go one way or the other. Some people will say, yes, yeah, she did the right thing, and some people are going to say, no, she didn't do the right thing. So how did you create that, you know, qu- you know, quandary but, that she has to deal with a moral decision? That's why there needs to be a sequel, seriously. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it's always very difficult to know. Um, that there's, you know, we can think that we have principles um, that we live by, and we think mm-hmm. that there are things that might be absolute principles of, you know, I would absolutely do this. I would absolutely do the right thing in this case. But yeah. when it's a member of our family, um, I don't know. It, it makes it much more difficult to do, the, as you're saying, the moral thing, the right thing. So at the end of the book, Avery has learned something about her father, and she faces the dilemma mm-hmm. of, do I turn him in? Um, but this is her father, you know, even if she's not crazy about him, um, does she, does she turn him in? Does she, does she do the Mm -hmm. right thing? Um, or what is the right thing? I guess is, is the question you raised appropriately. So, so it is a difficult moral dilemma that Avery faces at the end of the book. And you're right. I don't, it's easy to sit in the abstract and to say, I know what I would do, but until you're faced with that. Nobody, nobody's really sure what they would do in those cases. Well, I can tell you, I had a, I would the the decision to, I won't say who saved somebody's life was taken out of my hands, and I think if I would have been given that decision, the person's life, she'd still be here, and that's what's really scary because somebody else made a moral decision, and I disagreed with that person. So, right. yeah, it's scary. Will she stay close to her sisters? Will she be close to Alicia and Anna? And this, you have to like Anna. There's something about her. And Alicia seems to be like the, the steadfast in the middle. I'm going to, you know, solve everything. I'm going to stay calm, whatever. 
And she, you probably need somebody like that. But are they going to stay close to each other, or are they going to just, because of what the parents are? I would like to think that Avery and Anna have um, discovered mm-hmm. new appreciation for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They've come to understand how much they really do care for each other. Um, so I would like to think they're going to have a closer relationship now, that they've put a lot of these things behind them. Uh, and they can move forward and have a more uh, healthy, more loving, sisterly relationship. Um, that's what I imagine happening. Um, there's a there's a lot of complicated family baggage going on now um, that mm. they've all learned about. Um, but I do think that those two people, Avery and Anna, now now understand each other in a way that they had not understood each other before. Well, I'm reading page 437. I'm not going to say what it says. And that's where Avery has to decide what she's going to do one way or the other. And that, that that's a hard one. So how would you – secrets and lies and moral values destroyed, and yet there are people in this book that justify doing the wrong thing. And there are a lot of people that do justify doing the wrong thing because in their minds they only see it one way. And that's what made this book so – Interesting, because I said, you know, people have different ways of different values, so you could have a really great book discussion about this one. Well, everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. You know, I mean, everybody can come up with a rationalization for what they're doing Mm -hmm. uh, and say, well, I needed to do this. Even the most horrible people who do the most horrible things um, have rationalizations and justifications for what they're doing. I think if you talk to most people who break the law or do terrible mm-hmm. things, um, every once in a while you would find someone who would say, oh, yeah, I, I knew that was wrong and I did it anyway. Um, but most of them are probably going to come up with some rationalization that says, well, you know, I, I needed to steal that money. Uh, I needed it for this or I needed to do that. And yeah. so, you know, that's, that's kind of what you see. Everybody has their own a version of the truth and facts, um, and they can spin them any way they want. I know. I taught for a very long time, and you have kids that justify. I was lucky. I taught for a long time, and my students listened to me. They knew it was just better for them. But there were kids I heard in the hall say, I did it on purpose, or he had it coming, or he looked at this girl, or they justify doing the wrong thing, and nobody says anything. And the teacher says, well, that's the way it is. No, it's not the way it is. And then yeah, the child yeah. goes out and does something else. It's even worse, and it makes right. it makes you look it makes you look like you know you're incompetent. I mean, there were kids in my school that got in trouble for doing a lot of things, and I was lucky that I had classes for a million years that they just knew. Just listen to her; it's so much better. It's easier. Don't don't right, get on right. her nerves. <laughs> but yeah, there were kids. Else, you'll hear them in the yard. Well, I'm going to beat him up after school because he stole my pen, or he's going to do that. And I think there's a lot of lessons that can be learned in this book that people need to understand that you can't always be the one that wins. Sometimes you have to admit that you lose. I, I don't know how you how they how you how they justify themselves, but sometimes you have to know you, you lose. So what? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But but people carry those rationalizations with them, and um, yeah, they use them as justifications for doing whatever they do. I know a lot of people that do. So how would you define this? You know what got me? I saw this on Facebook. Then I emailed your publicist, and I said, you got to let me read this. She was sending it anyway. <laughs> and 
I, I, I get things like out of nowhere, which is great. Try not to breathe. What is the What is the definition of the title? I mean, there's a whole lot of definitions that you could have oh, in the title. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it means a cu- it means a couple of things. I mean, yeah. it, in a way, it literally refers to the fact that Aunt, uh, Avery is afraid of the water, and yeah. so when you're underwater. Um, you try not to breathe. You know, you're terrified. Um, And so it's that, um, holding your breath because you're underwater, which happens to Avery a couple times in the book. Um, But also just going for um, that suspenseful feeling of if you're in danger, if you're in a crisis, if someone is sneaking up on you, you literally have to hold your breath and not make a sound or not make a move. Um, there are mm-hmm. a couple times in the book when there are characters who find themselves in that situation where they, you can't make a move. You can't. I always think if I was in one of these books and I was somewhere, I have such bad allergies that I would sneeze as the killer was coming up to me and I would give myself away that way. Um, so it really is just saying, like, try not to breathe um, because someone is after you and you don't want them to hear where you are or hear where you're hiding. Um, so it has has a couple meanings like that. It's even worse when your best friend is supposed to be your friend and tells on you even though you didn't do anything. There are some times where you're going to find that even grown-ups will say, well, she did it, and the police automatically turn around and go, yeah, you did it, without even looking at you can barely hold your breath. That's, what, right. that's what's sure. really scary. Sure. Is, Avery has to make another decision at the end. Do you think if she had a choice, if this continued, that she would go back to being a police officer? Because I think that she got fired for no reason. I think she wants to return to law enforcement. I think that that is part of who she is. Um, I really do think that the story is um, a redemption story for Avery, where she proves that she's braver than she realized. Um, and I also think it's about Avery discovering what really matters to her. And professionally, I think what matters to her is being a police officer and trying to help people because that's what she does in the course of the book. She tries to help people. She tries to save people. Um, she has that instinct to want to, um, as you said, question, probe, investigate, you know, do yeah. the right thing. Um, so I do think at the end of the book she's ready to go back to a career in law enforcement of some kind. Um, if there's ever a sequel, we'll, we'll find out what Avery's up to. Um, but yeah, I do think she's ready to do that. I think she knows who she really is by the end of this book. You know, what bothers me the most is that I listen to the news and I see that a whole bunch of news stories about police officers that shoot people, that don't shoot people, and they're giving them a bad name. That bothers me because basically I don't, I don't think they're all bad. (laughs) Well, you can't paint any large group of people with one brush. Yeah. You know, you can't just say any any yeah. one group of people is all bad. Um, That's right. And so I hope we're figuring that out as a as a society that if if there are things that need to change about the way law enforcement acts, then let's yeah. change them. If there are bad apples, then get the bad apples out. Um, but you know, ninety nine point whatever percent of police officers are trying to do the right thing, just like anybody else. They're trying their best to do a very, very difficult job. I agree. And what bothers me is that the governor of this state, oh God, passed a law two years ago that people twenty one years old and over can have an assault rifle. And I said, why in blazes would they need one? Why are you passing something like that? It it just like makes it worse. So. 
Where do you see her next, and what's next for you? What's coming out next, and when am I getting it? Where do I see Avery going next? I think I think she's probably going to start to work on getting back into law enforcement. Um, and uh, I don't know what that's going to look like for her, but we'll see what that looks like. Um, for me, um, I should mm. have another adult suspense novel out next summer. Um, it's oh, gonna nice. Be called, it's going to be called Storm Warning, and it's about um, mm. a group of people who are trapped on a barrier island in Florida um, with no power, no access to the mainland, and a hurricane is bearing down on them, and people start to die even before the hurricane hits because there's a murderer in the building with them. And so they have to try to make it through the night through the hurricane and also figure out which one of them is a murderer. So that should be out next summer. That sounds good. It sounds like I'm what you wrote it with the Weather Channel in mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> so where, where can everybody get more know about you and, you and your work? This has been so, This book is fantastic. Those of you that have not read Try Not to Breathe, I'm going to post my review on Facebook everywhere, and I will tell everybody to read it. And I will well, post the link, and nice I'll send it to your, to, I will send it to your publicist. Uh, some people have great publicists like you do, and then there are oh, some yeah. people that – yeah, she's they're great. She's great. So why, where can everybody learn more about you and get all your books? Well, my website is davidbellnovels.com, and you can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, or whatever they're calling Twitter now, uh, at mm-hmm. David Bell Novels. So you can find me on all of those places, and uh, that's where I'll post about new books and events and whatever else is going on. That that is so cool. This has been really fun. It's just made my whole day, to be very honest. And your book, uh, my dermatologist won't let me come. I'm, I don't have to go for a visit, but he calls ever so often and says, when are you bringing me titles to read for my wife? Oh, no, I'm I see. Okay. I'm serious. It, it, it's, okay. I'm serious. I've, I've got a bag of about, in the last couple of weeks I've read about, I read 10 books a week, most of the time, limited to at least five or more. And, yeah, the yours is in there right now and I'm going to go visit him next Wednesday and just bring the books to him and that's the only reason why they let me come and I don't have to wait ever oh okay <laughs> so maybe I should try that with my dermatologist yeah I'm serious his wife it has maybe 10 bookshelves and I'm the reason why she fills it with all of my books she loves it and then of course there's the UPS guy that takes some of the books. He might want yours too. And then there's my neighbor, everybody. They call me the book queen of the building. Oh, okay. All right. Which well, helps. I'll try that. I don't know if my dermatologist reads, but we'll try. Is <laughs> And and if any time I go into whatever office, they want they want even the post office wants my books. So thank you so much. This has been great. Everyone, get a copy of Try Not to Breathe. As a matter of fact, you just get all of his books because you won't be disappointed. David Bell, thank you so much. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you, friend. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.